This is Abacus. I'm Bob the CPA. My guest today is David Ringstrom, and we're going to talk all things Excel, including the best ways to learn. The best way to learn Excel is to have actual projects that you want to accomplish. Why your goal should be to use Excel to automate your job. Many times folks don't automate things because they fear they're going to work themselves out of a job, but that's actually the goal, is to work yourself out of these lower-level jobs. And a whole lot more. All this coming up on Abacus. Let's go. Learn everything you need to know to have a successful and fulfilling accounting career. Whether you're on the partner track or you're making your own path, this is Abacus. Hello again, everyone. This is The Abacus Show, where I bring together the best thought leaders, teachers, and accounting professionals from all over the world to share their experience and help you become a top performer and empower you to take control of your career. This interview is action-packed, and we have a lot of ground to cover, including why David was really confused by his first introduction to spreadsheets, his favorite Excel tricks that I bet you don't even know about, and why you shouldn't worry about automating yourself out of a job. I also asked David to share his top piece of advice for anyone leaving the military who wants to start an accounting career. You can get a summary and links to everything we talk about in the show notes for this episode by visiting abacusshow.com slash 206. Now, let's take a little walk on the nerdy side and talk all things Excel with David Ringstrom. David, welcome to the show. Thank you, Bob. I'm happy to be here. So, David, I know I originally asked you to be on the show because I wanted you to share some tips and tricks on Excel, which is a huge topic for, you know, obviously, you know, any accountant. But the more I dug into your LinkedIn profile and kind of started talking to you a little bit, I noticed you had a really interesting career story just starting when you were 17. So I was hoping you could maybe take us back to when you were just getting out of the Navy and deciding what you wanted to do next and how you ended up going down the accounting route. I have kind of a interesting background with my parents that we won't go into, but they, they decided it was a good idea for me to join the Navy. So at 17, they signed me up. And so at 18, I was out of the house. They definitely ensured that I launched. The Navy was good for me, actually. It really helped me formulate a plan. And one of the first things that I quickly saw in the Navy was the demarcation between how the officers lived and how the enlisted lived and very distinct differences, which you can correlate, or I correlated in the outside world to white collar versus blue collar. So it definitely motivated me once I got out of the Navy to decide that, you know, I'm going to college, (laughs) I'm going to get an education, and I'm going to get in on um, what the better half is is getting. So that was the the main thing that the Navy did for me. I was fortunate to have, you know, three-year enlistment. So back in the 80s, when there weren't any wars going on, so it was a real good time for me to, to have that experience and kind of figure out a, a game plan. So when I was in the Navy, I was working in supply and that kind of, you know, connected the dots toward me eventually getting into accounting because accounting and supply it's sort of business related that all felt approachable for me. And so that's the path I headed down. And were there any specific things you learned during the, your time at the Navy besides just operating the general side of the business that led you to think, hey, accounting is what I want to do? Or did you just kind of start moving down a path and accounting kind of came up along the way? I started moving down the path and that's really been a metaphor for my whole career. I've kind of, the example I often use is kind of a dot to dot where I would get to a certain dot, like being in supply in the Navy, that would then reveal the next dot, which was let's get out of the Navy because I want to, one, to pursue an education, and two, I wanted more flexibility in my life than the military offers. And so that kind of led me to going to school for accounting. And then along the way, I 
was starting at a junior college and was ready to go to a, the Georgia State where I graduated from. And so along the way, I got a job in commercial real estate. And that then opened up more dots, you know, to ultimately becoming a CPA. So hasn't really been planned. It's really get to each stage and then kind of test the waters and, okay, what makes sense next? And I've been very fortunate things have just continued to unfold for me in a nice fashion. It's amazing how many people I talk to who have very similar stories, uh, myself included. I didn't really decide I was going to go into accounting. It just kind of happened. And then you take one step at a time and kind of go from there. So I think that's really important to point out for younger people who kind of don't know where they want to go later in life. You know, just keep learning new skills, keep pushing forward, and eventually you'll figure out what you want to do. I agree completely. And the other thing I found is you can't, it's amazing things I did in the mid 90s that I was just kind of just trying to get by that have had tremendous impact on my career, you know, 20 years later. So just, you know, the more that you can do to try out different situations, you never know where it's going to lead down the line. Do you have an example on top of your head of something you were doing in the 90s that you're still uh, using today or still is impacting your career today? Well, for instance, back in the 90s, back before the internet, there was CompuServe. The way that we got online back in the day was online services like CompuServe or Prodigy. And so back, the first spreadsheet I learned was was Lotus One Two Three, and just to show how far I've come from learning Lotus One Two Three, the first time I saw the program in the late '80s, I didn't realize you had hit, had to hit a slash key to display the menu. So all I could see on the screen, my first exposure to spreadsheets was just this grid on the screen with no menu, and I'm I'll always remember saying, "Well, this is a stupid program. You can't do anything with it." So I've learned a fair amount since then, but I quickly, spreadsheets quickly got in my blood and to the extent that, you know, I would geek out online and go to CompuServe and answer questions in the Lotus 123 form. Well, from there, the Lotus Corporation noticed me and said, well, hey, do you want to moderate this form? And if we do, we'll give you a free CompuServe account, which was valuable back then because back then being online meant paying $12.80 an hour to get to be online. So the whole connectivity has changed a lot in just the, you know, since the mid 90s. And so from being on CompuServe, I then got noticed by a company called the Cobb Group, which wrote, among other things, new newsletters about spreads, spreadsheets, which they then asked me to do some freelance writing for them, which then kicked off my writing career, which I can connect the dots to today where writing has ultimately led to me being an Excel teacher to the extent that I'm teaching over 200 live webinars per year on Excel. So again, I can just directly trace the dots to things I was doing back in the 90s that were just me trying to, you know, dig into something that I thought was fun during the day. And it's ultimately led to a unexpected career change for me because for most of my career, I've been a spreadsheet consultant. And suddenly the training has gotten so big that what I saw was my side gig is now my main gig. I'm having to, to change my mindset of, okay, I'm not a consultant anymore. I can, that's, that's still a small part of what I do, but it's more of a side thing now. And my side thing has become my main thing, which is actually great. It was just I didn't plan on it. It's amazing how that works out. And uh, just the fact that you were excited to write for a Lotus One Two Three newsletter <laughs> says uh, you're very fit to be an accountant, I think. <laughs> I agree. I agree. Full, I've got my full geek hat little propeller. That's <laughs> guilty as charged. <laughs> so while you're teaching these, wow, 200 live webinars in, in a single year is yes. a ridiculous pace. So are those all covering the same topic or do you cover a range of topics or kind of what do you usually teach on these webinars? I have a couple dozen topics that I'm teaching for a couple dozen providers. So I'm, 
it's anywhere from an introduction to Excel to, you know, pivot tables, using different features of Excel, learning macros. I really cover the, the gambit. And what's been great about training is it's a way for me to monetize this knowledge that I've accumulated over the years by having to show up. When I was a spreadsheet consultant, I made a good living, but there was always a ceiling because when you're self-employed, you can only work so many hours. There's only so much you can charge per, per hour, per project. So there's this built-in ceiling. And over the years, people kept telling me, you need a product. You, need, you know, or they'd say, oh, you can take the spreadsheet you built for me and, and sell it. And that was never the case because my niche as a consultant was really getting inside somebody's head and giving them a very custom tool that met their specific purpose, which didn't mean it was something like an app I could go sell in the marketplace. It served that specific need, but it you know, word of mouth got around and people, I have this niche practice, but people find me when they need me. Training is different because it's a way of taking this knowledge that I've learned the hard way over the years and packaging it. Not only am I teaching live webinars, I'm also offering on-demand webinars through various providers where I get royalties from that. And so it's really been a godsend at this stage to have this take what I've been doing all along and figure out how to make it into a product. So I really feel fortunate for that. Yeah, that's great. And you can help so many more people that way, too, than you could even just working one-on-one -on -one with companies, which is amazing. Absolutely. It's, I, I get a lot of fun feedback and a lot of fun, fun questions from the webinars. And I, I love the challenge of you know, being asked on the spot. People sometimes stump me, but not very often. That's, that's re really the exception. So it's, but I'm always up for the challenge. And so when you're putting these webinars together, do you sort them generally by topic? For example, if somebody wants to learn pivot tables and they know they need to learn that, or do you sort them more of like intro for maybe uh, a new staff accountant or a new senior or a new FP&A? Do you have like it broken up by career path or is it just by topics in Excel? It's mostly by topic. And I, I really shy away from these boxes where people say, I want an introductory Excel or an intermediate Excel or an advanced Excel. I, I have some introductory topics, but generally I try to really cover the gambit because one, I find that beginners often sign up for advanced classes and advanced people that have been using Excel a long time sign up for my intermediate class. And there's also things that might feel advanced about Excel, but if it's the tool that you need to do your job, it doesn't matter where you are on the continuum. If, if you know how to use that tool, you can work much more effectively. So I really try to cast a wide net and ensure I have something for everybody rather than trying to pigeonhole everyone because we're really all using Excel different ways and you just never can tell when you're going to learn that next trick. This just change how you use Excel and boost your productivity. That's a great point. I think um, this is one of those topics everybody likes to talk about and everyone will have their, you know, shortcuts going all the way back to old, very old versions of Excel and, you know, the different functions they use for their job. And if it's what you use for your job, anytime someone asks what they need to know, you just tell them that one thing. And it may not be what they need for their job at that point, too. So it's, it's nice to have that ability to kind of go in and see all these different things at these different webinars. Well, the, the other thing that I, the other phrase I use in my, my sessions is I'll often say, if I'm covering something that's kind of obscure about Excel, I'll compare it to the chainsaw in my garage, where right? I live in the city, I live in Atlanta, I've got trees. I have a chainsaw. I don't use it very often, but when I need a chainsaw, no other tool is going to do. When you're trying to do a certain task, you have a bunch of data that's in a list that you need to summarize. A pivot table, is that's your chainsaw. That's, you don't need to go write a bunch of formulas and, and hack your way through it. You get a couple mouse clicks and you can have an instant report. And that's just scratching the surface of the types of things that are possible in Excel, but many folks just aren't either don't have the inclination or just don't get the exposure to all these other things that Excel can do. 
Yeah, especially there's just so much it can do. It's very overwhelming sometimes. I used to tell my staff that uh, if you ever find yourself saying there's got to be a better way to do this, there probably is. You just need to figure out what to type into Google to get it done. <laughs> Absolutely. Everything, that my, my knowledge on, on spreadsheets has been a snowball where each thing I learned made it that much easier to learn the next thing. And very much that, okay, wait, if I can do this, there's got to be a way to do that. And fortunately, Google is a godsend now. Back, you know, to date myself, back in the you know, late 80s, early 90s, it was, you had to go to the bookstore and buy books. And then so I would have stacks and stacks of books that I'm flipping through trying to find what I wanted to do. Now <laughs> I just go on Google and, you know, Excel, whatever it is, and there's the answer from the mundane to crazy things like using Excel to put files on FTP websites or control other programs or whatever crazy thing I might dream up. So on the topic of Excel, I know you said you don't like to pigeonhole too much, but are there any things – maybe that you think a lot of accountants or finance professionals overlook that maybe would help them out in their day-to-day -day job or any other places you recommend people start when they're learning? The best way to learn Excel is to have actual projects that you uh, want to accomplish. And so where I got my start with spreadsheets was back in the day, I worked as a bookkeeper for this commercial real estate firm and the bills for the tenants each month got printed out of this computer system, but often there were mistakes. And so we as bookkeepers had to go sit down at a typewriter and retype the bill. And it was this six part carbon form that if you made a mistake, you had to pull it out and start all over again. Really soul crushing. So I just had this soul crushing repetitious work. And so I set out to build a spreadsheet in Lotus that I could fill in the blanks and line it up in a printer and then print it and review it. And from there, just automating that one simple thing, just I was hooked. And anytime I run into some sort of mind-numbing task, I, there's some way, many times it involves programming, but not everything requires programming. There's lots of stuff we, in Excel we can do just with the features that can just cut through, you know, whatever these tasks are. But so in your work, if you have, if you find these repetitious things, that's a good place to start. For instance, if you want to learn programming or just finding templates or better ways to, to build your spreadsheets. And so even if you're not maybe in a job yet, but, you know, set up a, a spreadsheet to manage your budget. Or if you've got a little bit of money, you're dabbling with the stock market, build a, a stock tracker portfolio. The more that you can build these spreadsheets and get frustrated and get stuck and then go Google and get the answer, the more more that you're building knowledge and the, the faster you'll get at Excel and if that's, a, if that's your interest and then it becomes I've, I've made a whole career out of just knowing spreadsheets. So if spreadsheets are your thing, there's lots and lots of ways to, to use that knowledge. Day to day for maybe a staff accountant or an FPA professional or even in tax, uh, I don't have as much experience with tax, but I assume it's similar. Like you said, there's a lot of stuff that you're doing manually that if you're doing it every week, every day, every month, automating it once saves you so much time. It takes a lot more time the first time because you have to build everything and put it together. But there's nothing that makes you stand out more on your team than taking what used to be four days of work and compressing it down into one day or half a day and then having all that extra free time to catch up and do more value-added tasks. Exactly. And the many times folks don't automate things because they fear they're going to work themselves out of a job. But that's actually the goal is to work yourself out of these lower level jobs and, you know, provide value. And then you'll get tasked with more, you know, increasing responsibility. 
And if you're in a place where they don't value you automating things, then clearly you're in the wrong space anyway. So there's nothing to be lost by broadening your skills and building these tools and making everyone's life better. It's just been, you know, one thing after the other for me with all these ways. You know, I started out in the real estate firm automating all their spreadsheets. One of the things that really made me want to make the leap on my own was I had gotten to the point where all the spreadsheets were as good as they could get. There wasn't anything else for me to improve on. And so then I was stuck with babysitting them and that didn't last very long. I don't do well with, with babysitting spreadsheets. I'm, to me, the fun is in being tasked with a challenge, figuring out how to solve that challenge and then hand the tool off to someone to, to maintain and then I'm off to the next challenge. I completely agree. I've had the same uh, situation in my last couple jobs, which uh, af after a couple of years, it gets a little boring and you got to move on or you find some, some way else to add value and, you know, maybe move across the company or something. So moving on from, or I guess before we move on, do you have anything else that I haven't asked you about related to Excel that you would like to share today? Well, I can offer a couple of Excel tips. Uh, one of the things that is most soul crushing for folks is you've been working in Excel for some extended period of time and then all of a sudden you lose your work. The computer crashes or Excel freezes or the power goes out. So many, you know, any number of things go awry with our spreadsheets. And so one of my freelance articles that's probably been read over, probably has over a million page views now is how to recover unsaved workbooks in Excel. And that's something we can do in Excel 2010 and later. We can't do it in Excel 2007, but if we go to the file menu, at the bottom of our open menu or that recent workbooks menu, there is a command there that says recover unsaved workbooks. And so it's not going to save you 100% of the time, but it will. it is very useful if there's any spreadsheet you've been working on for more than a few minutes, behind the scenes, Excel creates these backup copies that now, with Excel 2010 and later, we're able to, in many cases, recover, and then you're not just totally out in the cold having to reinvent your work. The, the one salve I've found is that when we do have to redo our work, if there's no other choice, it does go a lot quicker the second time around, but still, it's, it's rather <laughs> painful. So, Definitely better to just keep it if you can, right? Yes, yes. And in that regard, using keyboard shortcuts can just be tremendous, such as training yourself to press Control-S periodically, Control-S for save. That's insurance against things going awry. But another thing that we can do is many times we're saving our work, and we can still, even if we are diligently saving our work, we can still get into a ditch. So in Excel 2010 and later, if you look at the Info tab, there's a version section where you'll also see timestamps there sometimes if you've been working on a file long enough. And those are previous copies from your current work session that you can open up alongside your live file. Because sometimes we do something completely innocuous where we delete a worksheet thinking, oh, I don't need that sheet. That's one of the few things in Excel that you cannot undo. In fact, once you delete a worksheet, you can't undo anything prior to that. So deleting worksheets is something we need to be particularly mindful of. We need to save our work before we do that so that we have that fallback position. But if we get in a rush and we are in the moment and we delete it, then if we go to the Info tab, look in that version section, you may be able to pull up a previous copy from, from today and then be able to grab your missing sheet from there as well. That is fantastic. I didn't actually know that one. I always uh, was thinking that was a, a feature that if you ever use Google Docs or Google Sheets, and I was wondering why Excel didn't have that. So there it goes. Just so it goes to show you, you can probably do pretty much anything. You just need to figure out where it is. Exactly. <laughs> All right. So I know you have a, a hard out today, so I want to be respectful of your time. So I have a couple of rapid fire questions. They're just pretty quick. You can answer them in a single 
sentence or you can kind of go into more detail. It's really up to you. But the first one is just when you're doing your work today or you're at a cocktail party or whatever, how do you usually describe yourself? I often start out and say that I'm a CPA, and for many folks, that just kind of shuts the conversation down. They're like, okay, I understand what you want. But some folks will say, oh, well, I guess you're busy this time of year. And I'll say, well, no, I'm, I'm a rather unconventional CPA. And then depending on their interest, I'll get into more detail about the, the training, consulting, and the writing work that I do. Usually, a lot of times, folks are just being, you know, polite. And so I have my, my short answer, and then I, you know, kind of like a pyramid, go into more detail as warranted. Now that you've gotten into training and you've been writing and training for a while, what do you find is your favorite part about doing that? I love the creative process of it. With my training materials, I am I never rest with them. I'm always improving, always tweaking, always coming up with ways to explain things more elegantly and make it more clear because one of the things I like to do is pack a lot of learning in. I've endured so many just dreadful you know, interminable CPE sessions over the years where I was really just getting the hours in and that's not really good for anybody. So I'm really trying to turn this tide and let's just learn. <laughs> let's be more effective and, and make use of this 40 hours of a year that we have to been learning. So in your mind, so you've been using it for, you know, decades now, uh, what would you say is your favorite thing about Excel? My favorite thing about Excel has to be the ability to do programming work in Excel. I've never had to go learn any other programming languages, but Excel has its own macro, macro language. It's called Visual Basic for Applications or VBA for short. And it has, it, it's, it's totally made my career because I can swoop in and automate tasks. It can take hours and hours and it can just make it knock it down to the click of a button. And that's very addictive for folks when they realize, wow, this can be, I don't have to do all this by hand and I can get instant answers. That's definitely my favorite aspect of Excel is that whole programming environment, which most people are not even aware that even exists. Yeah. And, and those who are aware are generally pretty intimidated by it because we don't come from a programming background. Is, is that something you teach a course on also? I do, and a feature that everyone can start with is on Excel's view menu, and it's called the Macro Recorder. And so, in effect, this is like a little video camera for Excel, but instead of creating film behind the scenes, it transforms your actions into programming code that you can then play back. And so it's a very good way to kind of get your feet wet with Excel. As with any tool that makes something that simple, it's very limited in scope. It can't make any decisions. You're, you're not going to be able to do anything complex. But you can turn it on, you know, create, you know, carry out a few actions and then go behind the scenes and look at the programming code and, and you'll get a start. And folks have a very visceral reaction to programming in Excel. They either love it immediately or they, know, they want no part of it. But even if you don't want any part of it, as long as you know what's possible, then you can always find someone to do the automation for you. Then you benefit because then you're not stuck grinding along on the treadmill, carrying out these repetitive actions. You can always find somebody that does love doing the work. You can benefit from their work and then still advance in your career because you knew that this was possible. So not everyone has to, to be a coder per se. You can, as long as you're aware of what's possible in Excel, it's easy to find folks that can do the work. Absolutely. Going back a little bit in time again, what advice would you give to your 20 or 21-year-old self when you're just getting out of the Navy and trying to figure out how to get into accounting? Wow. With that, uh, what I did was I just sought out a job that was in accounting. I knew that I didn't plan on becoming a CPA per se. I had a, a boss at the time that kept encouraging me. And so 
funny thing about me, I'm a CPA, but I've never worked in public accounting. In the state of Georgia, you can work under a CPA for five years and meet the experience requirement. And so I had a great boss who kept encouraging me and kept, you know, after four years of hearing you should sit for the exam, I, I finally capitulated. I took Becker. I did everything they said. I passed the exam. This was back before calculators, back when it was a two-and-a-half-day exam. So it was I'm sure it's intense now. It was definitely intense back then. And so what's been great about being a CPA is that instant credibility. Of I can just come into any situation and I have instant street cred, even though I've never worked as a tax accountant or a public accountant. There's so much I've done with this credential that um, if you're on the fence, if you're that 20 or 21-year-old, like, oh, should I sit for the exam? Having a credential has been invaluable for my career. And back in the day, I thought, okay, well, I need to go get a master's and all that. I've never needed a master's degree. But just the CPA credential has has been sufficient for me. Not to say that there's not value in getting a master's, but if it's not in the cards for you, as it ended up not being for me, that it, there's still much that you can do with a credential. Before I let you go, uh, where can people learn more about you or sign up for your trainings? Or is that something they can do online? Or do they have to find you uh, through the phone? Or how does that all work? Well, two different places. Uh, DavidRingstrom.com is my professional speaking website. And that's mostly used to to book me. I don't have I, – I teach for about two dozen providers, so I can't really offer favoritism to any one of them to keep things fair. If you go on Google and you search for Excel and then David Ringstrom, then I'm very easy to find there. Also, my consulting website is accountingadvisors.com, and so that talks all about my consulting work and also has a couple links to, to training, training materials that I offer and also has links to articles that I've written. So that, that's kind of my two places to, to learn about me, but pretty much if you go on Google and put my name in, I, you'll, you'll learn more than you want, as, as you saw there, Bob. <laughs> Wonderful. So that's all I had for you today, David. Is there anything you'd like to throw in at the end before I let you go? I would say just be patient with yourself and take the long view. The careers are funny. Sometimes they, they grow and they, they kind of come in spurts where you might feel like you're stuck, but you never know when that next opportunity is right around the corner. So if you just take the long view and be patient, one day you're going to look up and say, wow, look what I've accomplished. Excellent advice. Couldn't agree more. All right, David, thank you so much for coming on the show. My pleasure, Bob. Thanks again to David for coming on the show. And thanks to you for listening. You can find links to everything we just talked about in the show notes for this episode at abacusshow.com slash 206. Thanks for listening. If you're new to the show, you can catch up on all of our past episodes and get access to tons of training courses, cheat sheets, articles, and downloads by visiting abacusshow.com. 